Happy Tuesday, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm Julie Townsend, and you're listening to Downtown Dish today. And I have a very special guest. I have our Honorable Mayor, Mayor Bill Mutz, is with me today. It's great to be with you. Thanks for coming. Uh, I know you have... um, Lots of opportunities to to speak to folks, and so I appreciate you taking the opportunity to chat with me today because, of course, uh, I want to talk about downtown, and uh, I want to make sure that, um, you know, whatever you might be thinking about downtown is, uh, you know, something that I might be thinking. We think about downtown a lot, (laughs) and besides that, you're one of my favorite people, so it's easy to be here. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so everyone, just uh, as a as a reminder, you know, we, we try to talk about uh, downtown issues and, and events and, and fun things that are happening. Uh, and um, of course, uh, the mayor is the mayor of the whole city. And you can certainly touch on other things outside of downtown. But if, it, if, if downtown dominates the whole show today, that's that's fine by me. But certainly feel free to jump in with other ideas and priorities. Well, I think that's a good point to kick off. We <laughs> certainly look at issues across the city and we will continue to do that as a commission. But downtown is important because other people's neighborhoods aren't your neighborhood, but downtown is everybody's living room. And right. so we get a community identity out of downtown. We get a vibrancy that comes from a thriving downtown. We get a commune space that people want to come to when you do things right. And I love the leadership of LDDA and your role in it in having produced many of those things and our enthusiasm from our uh, city manager, Sean Strauss, in terms of his excitement about a vibrant downtown we just recently returned from a Boise city visit last week, and we spent probably half of our time on what Boise has done downtown. And we have um, some wonderful assets they don't have. They've got some mountain assets in the background <laughs> that uh, we don't have. But uh, those uh, it's about using the assets you have and using them well and making them part of the community's identity. Uh, one of the big things that they wish they had done differently is they have very wide streets there mm. instead of narrow streets. So even if you create some good intimacy and in blocks in terms of the activities that are taking place, you still have to do a six-lane cross on a crosswalk to right. the next section. And so that's you know that's a distinct advantage. And they they have forty five thousand people that work downtown. Wow. Seven thousand people that live downtown. So they have those lanes for all the traffic that's going in and out mm. of downtown. We want to make sure we have enough apartments and enough condos downtown that people – we are a 1,000 people downtown currently living, and we want to have about 8,500 uh, within the next five or six years. Wow. So we have to build a lot of units to be able to make that happen. And you that do. density happens <laughs> uh, by putting people in the center of your city. Exactly. And, you know, we've we've talked about for a long time uh, density, and that makes a lot of people uncomfortable uh, they don't like the sound of that. They think it just means congestion and, and um, you know, makes their life more difficult. But really uh, what I have found is that a lot of the things that people say that they want in their city and or, you know, specifically in downtown requires density. You can't have, you know, for example, probably a month does not go by that someone, why doesn't downtown have a grocery store? Well, it doesn't have a grocery store because they don't have enough rooftops. Right. And, you know, it's that's just a fact. I mean, <laughs> we get to, we get 8500 people, we'll have a grocery store of some kind downtown and it won't, so that's not long away. 
it, we just need to make the market conditions right. We need five apartment projects being built at the same, same time, time yeah. and we need to be growing those units um, and the people that move there, and they will fill fast. And it's the best way to control your housing costs. You have to have enough availability. It's a supply and demand curves. If you have enough availability, then you won't have the increases. And we are not as expensive as Tampa and Orlando. Uh, Boise's rental rates are up 35% over the prior year. Oh, wow. And so we are 15 to 18% on the high side uh, in our city. It seems like a lot if you're disrupted by right. it Absolutely. personally, and um, and it is, mm-hmm. and it is your job, and it's where you live. But um, there's a financial eviction that can take place if you don't have enough units, and we're trying to avoid that so that we can make sure we have enough units. And you otherwise you sprawl. You add miles, oh. you add traffic that comes into downtown. We want that density to be there where people walk out of their units and walk down in very walkable areas and continue the great work LTDA has led in in <laughs> terms of providing wider sidewalks on Main Street and that the city responded to and got done. And we did that, by the way, in the parklets without permitting uh, all the all the pieces in place. In other right. words, we found a yes, got a little messy in the middle because, you know, we didn't <laughs> always coordinate everything exactly the right way. But it's moving towards a solution, and it's a very, very wonderful one. And I think we'll see reduced surface parking downtown as part of what we do to enhance those walkability areas from Bonnet Springs Park to Ingram. Right. And, uh, you know, we've got the the Catalyst 2.0 plan that, that LEDC and the city has worked together to, to come up with and um, hopefully implement over the next, you know, of course it takes, could be a couple of decades, and that's fine. you got to have a plan. But uh, the, the city commission has priorities. Uh, what would what what's the priorities that the city commission in general has for downtown? Well, so it's ju- just staying to downtown, uh, certainly a, an attempt to get about five concurrent projects. So we're adding maybe uh, somewhere between 800 to 1200 apartment units. And that can be some of which is market price and some of which will be affordable. A smaller portion of affordable housing downtown, but we'll have pieces of that, probably more in the 15% range, and we'll have smaller spaces for downtown apartments, Uh, so we'll probably have some 700 square foot uh, Mm. units as well. And we went and saw some of those also when we were in Boise. They're very popular. They Mm -hmm. fill very fast. And the reason for that is people don't, when you live downtown, don't need the space in their unit because they walk outside their apartment for the amenities that are available to them. So we'll we'll certainly work to do some of that as well. Parking contained within, uh, probably working to add an additional parking garage or two, and um, being as aggressive about that as necessary. So we may do some bonding in that regard Mm. uh, to be able to, if we can't find condo partners in the parking, that's like we did at the Heritage Garage, that's a way we can accomplish that. I think it's important to to talk about what are the mix of condos downtown because sometimes if you th- think about apartments, you worry about, oh, is this all transient? Well, our societal trends are towards the flexibility of apartments. We're going to bring in 190 uh, um, graduate medical education students at LRH and, and, and as residents. And as they work, they're going to want apartments, and that program will continue to grow and replace people over the years. And so um, – I asked when we were in Boise, what's your percentage of condos downtown? They run about 15% condos mm. and about 85% apartments. And so, and that's pretty typical of mixes. So you don't over-condo a downtown. Right. You make it flexible space for people to live in. And as you do that and you increase the parking spaces, then our second floor uh, 
uh, utilization takes place, we get less parking-centric about allocations for spaces because we have plenty of parking. We increase our LAMTED um, rapid tran- mass transit systems available so that we have people that can get da- into downtown easily, and we put more emphasis there. And Tom Phillips provides great leadership and cost control in that regard. All these pieces are pieces that have to take place concurrently as we watch additional businesses expand. We increase the multi-use retail spaces that will be on the first floor of a lot of these uh, particular areas. And we'll also create some gathering spots along the way. So take, for example, if you were coming off Lake Hunter and there were apartments near the Ledger building, as an example, you'd have this big assembly area for bikes and some coffee shops for people to be able to do either walkable or bike riding uh, through quarters that would then connect up on at Springs Park and then connect all the other trails in the area. So that makes it pretty exciting. Wow. Well, we're going to unpack some of that. Okay. <laughs> we're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to unpack all that when we get back. All right. Stick with us. And we're back, and you're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm Julie Townsend, and I am here in the studio with our Honorable Mayor Mutz, who is uh, sharing all of his thoughts and vision about downtown, not just his, but what the city commission and, of course, city manager Shirouse, uh may have in in the pipeline for, for us all. And uh, we certainly love talking about downtown. That's kind of the whole point of the show. So uh, we were talking right before the break about uh, just kind of all the priorities that, that we want to uh, have implemented as soon as possible. Of course, yesterday, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> if we can magically snap our fingers and get those 8,500 nice. 8, new dust. <laughs> residents, that'd be awesome. But you know, speaking of residential, it sounds like, uh, you know, in at least in, in, in LDDA's view, we when we talk about that, we, we talk about um, you know, we love having residential in the core. That's great. But we we need to expand what people think of as downtown. A lot of folks think of downtown as just, you know, the immediate few blocks uh, or even just the blocks that face Munn Park. But with downtown West now sort of being planned and and uh, some emphasis being on developing over there, I feel like that's a great location for a lot of new residential. It's close enough uh, you're going to have some pocket, you know, retail and, yes. and coffee shops, like you had said, uh, but you you get people living slightly out of the core, so that there's not sort of that conflict of of commercial and um, and residential going on. But it's certainly close enough to where they can walk to the farmers market on Saturdays or mm-hmm. walk to work, mm-hmm. because we do see folks who live at Meriton or No Bay. Uh, and Lake Mirror Tower, and they're walking to work. So you park once instead of having two cars, the resident and the employee, you have the resident is the employee and they park once, which is great. Correct. And they're probably, if they're in uh, an apartment, in a parking garage within it. So, right. <laughs> so that's 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 even better. Um, I think we can think about walking from the farmer's market down, over to Bonnet Springs Park. And oh, yeah. that's part of the way we have to connect as well. So we're thinking about kind of the west end of downtown. It really becomes Bonnet Springs Park. And on the east side, we think of the bridge, the overpass, but we really can go east to Ingram. And mm-hmm. that can be part of, you know, how we lay that together. So it would be and should be walkable from Ingram to Bonnet Springs Park with bike trails along the way and increasing use of bikes. We're going to see that happen. And we are already seeing it happen in Lakeland. You see more bikes all the time. Mm-hmm. 
uh, because it just becomes such a pleasant way to travel. And we live in great weather. We have great predictable weather. It isn't 40 <laughs> degrees in, you know, uh, April having right. to wear a coat like we did when we were in Boise. So I uh, think about just how nice it is for us to be able to predictably use uh, these as uh, corridors. And people, when you don't park as closely, uh, people get used to walking and recognizing I'm two blocks, three blocks from something else that I need to go see. And and um, so you do so without having the, the um, uh, difficulty of trying to park right outside of it. And we're, we're learning those habits now. Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, you, you go to other cities and, and you expect to to park blocks away, uh, you know, to other downtowns. But you, when you live in your own city, the, the standard is completely different. You, right. you must be right in front or it's a parking problem. It's That's a, my space right yeah, there. Right Why there. are you in it? <laughs> so, yeah, definitely the additional um, the additional structures that will infill some of these parking lots, which is what I would really like. I, I want to see it all, of course. I, you know, right. I say I want to see this, I want to see that, I want to see it all right. uh, tomorrow. Uh, but just even in the core, the infill development, I feel like that that disrupts the pedestrian's mindset in terms of walking. Just Heritage Plaza, uh, the additional garage and the additional office building, has now activated all of the parking on Orange Street yes. that people ignored. Yes. Even it was the, it was always there, but they would never park there. They would never park there and go to Frescoes. That's Almost just two blocks away. too far. <laughs> yeah. And now, if you get a spot on Orange Street right. and and you're going to Frescoes, you're like score. Mm-hmm. That's correct. <laughs> so and that's you know we talk about parking a lot always, but Missouri is a ghost town over there. There's mm-hmm. hardly anybody mm-hmm. uh, parked on Missouri, and that's it's, going to change. And it's and it should change. Yes. If, you know if if we. If people would park there, you can. It's so close to Black and Brew. Like, mm-hmm. why would you not park there? But no one thinks of it. They don't want to cross South Florida. So I think just changing that mindset and also having those additional buildings means that all that parking is unlocked in in the mind of the of the customer. And it creates spaces for retail along the way, along that pathway, as you work towards the what we think about core downtown. And so that's all great. We have to maintain quality of life at the same time. So we right. have to have enough policing. So that's one of the things that's a high priority with the city is how do we pick up enough policing to make sure that we add more uh, support to downtown business needs uh, and citizen protections for quality of life on a daily basis and fire. How do we have enough to make sure we have enough fire? So I think you're going to see that become a very near term probably in this next budget year priority for us to implement. And that's going to be – uh, a tax increase. I, yeah. I, I, I have heard many people on this topic talk <laughs> about how, uh, you know, you can't ever do that kind of thing or, or I won't ever do that. That's actually not good thinking. We have one of the lowest millage rates of any city our size, certainly in Florida and among quality cities in the country. And um, the millage increases are not that substantial that we can't all help pay our fair share to stay ahead of the curve of problems by making sure that our high quality of life, life is appropriately protected. Right. I mean, and that that always befuddles me. I mean, I'm not a tax and spend type gal. I think I'm very fiscally Ditto. responsible with the LDDA budget and my own you personal are. finances. Uh, but I don't understand the just the irrational, in my opinion, pushback to to 
a millage rate increase if you can justify what you're exactly using what's it the for. increment that we're getting for right. it and how does it protect all of our citizens that it's not just for a particular area or a particular section and and so this is that right and we people are moving into central florida like crazy i mean where this msa this lakeland winter haven msa is what the fastest growing mm-hmm. Um, it depends which study, first or second. Right, exactly. E- either one works. It's, and Boise is one or the other, isn't but it? Boise yeah, is so the, <laughs> generally the first. So that's one of the reasons we decided to go there because right. we want to look at their average housing price is $500,000. Well, oh guess my. what? And and rent rates, I told you, have gone up mm-hmm. dramatically. Why? Because there's not enough supply. Right. So we're working on 5,000 homes throughout Lakeland as well. Uh, we have to do both. It's about remaining well-balanced, and you have to have workforce you have to have affordable and you have to have market priced apartments and housing. In terms of transportation, I mean, we had years ago, there was an effort to uh, have an additional, I think it was a full penny, wasn't it? Wasn't no, it a full yes, penny? Yes, yes. Tax-wide, yeah, uh, county-wide. And that, that was just not well received. <laughs> and, no, it wasn't. Uh, and, and, but I mean, and, and I, we're not really the mentality in terms of in the South in general that, you know, you go up North and you ride trains and, and subways and, you know, metros and all of that. And we're just very car centric in, in the South in general. But why do you think that there's an opportunity to to revisit that just in your opinion as mayor? And- yes, I do. And I think we have to become a city that becomes and. I, you can go broader than this. As Americans, mm-hmm. we need, and I'm a former car dealer when I say this, <laughs> we, we are a nation that needs to be less car-centric, mm-hmm. more people-centric, more transportation-centric. And when you travel to the to our large cities or in Europe, uh, in smaller cities, the reliability of mass transit and light rail is incredible. And it's delightful because you get to look out the windows and see things instead of uh, being focus on traffic all the time. High-speed rail, is, if at best, is an eight-year, 10-year-out uh, stop for us here, and the frequency we won't know about, I think we'll have it, and I think we'll be their stop, but we don't know those things. Right. And so how do we increase, particularly in our own dense areas, the, the ability to remain walkable? And if you make the spaces attractive, if you make the corridors delightful. If they have spots all along the way that you can do things, you don't even notice the distance. And right. and so that's what we want to do. Well, when we come back, uh, I, I do want to touch a little bit on SunRail because I'm, I'm hearing that SunRail is, is or TPO, the, the transportation organization, is talking about a stop in uh, Haines City, Davenport, maybe Lakeland one day. And, um, you know, I have a little history with SunRail. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to just want to get your thoughts and perspectives on that and uh, so we'll talk about high speed rail sunrail when we come back And we're back. This is Julie Townsend. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I have Honorable Mayor Mutz here with me, and we are discussing all things downtown, uh, priorities for the the city as it moves forward, and and how downtown plays a significant role in that. And um, we were also talking about mass transportation. And uh, so SunRail, Mayor, if I am reading <coughs> the, the cards right, that uh, there's now talk that SunRail may— one day 
visit us here in our fair city? Yeah, so it's interesting. We have huge population growth in Polk County on the east side, as right. you know. And, and that's why we have trouble getting to the Orlando airport <laughs> or Orlando per se, period. And um, so when we think about SunRail coming to the east side of Polk County near term, I am a strong advocate of that because I do believe uh, we'll have a large majority of East Polk County residents start to use the system and help to feed that uh, light rail uh, in lieu of cars, which reduces them on I-4. It probably becomes a little more sparse as we go west, mm -hmm. and so that to me is probably longer term. And, of course, what happens with the high-speed rail matters a lot because typically if you're leaving Lakeland, you're going to be going to points in either Orlando or Tampa that are near downtown. And, of course, Tampa on the high-speed rail is not talking about taking it to the airport, and that would require a light rail connection um, because they don't want another divider like they had with I-4 through the city, and they don't want to create this path. And so they're wanting to end it uh, uh, somewhere in Tampa that's mm. less offensive. And that is all up for debate, uh, How that whether or not – High-speed rail goes to Disney is up for debate, mm. and a lot of and and those problems are working through as they bring it, uh, at least to the Orlando airport. And you've seen the Orlando airport center on high speed that has been built, and light rail can feed out of there as well. Uh, and that was an eighty-four million dollar under the runways connection for the high-speed rail to do at the airport. Wow! But that will all connect um, probably by this time next year, and so we'll we'll start to see some of that utilization to Miami. Well, one of the challenges with back in the day when SunRail was being proposed and uh, was that, you know, the state bought that, that segment of, of the rail line uh, at a quite a hefty price from CSX. And, you know, we were like, hey, we would be much more agreeable if, if you bring it all the way to Lakeland. We've got the Amtrak station right downtown. But, you know, CSX didn't doesn't want passenger rail right. on that segment and and the ILC that is in Winter Haven that was supposed to be this amazing job creator and salvation for all of Polk County has not turned into that and uh, so maybe you know maybe CSX will sing a different tune but they were very very anti uh, putting additional passenger rail on that line to mix in with the freight that they were uh, now rerouting to the ILC. So, if that's still you know the mindset, how do we how does how does SunRail connect to us? CSX is all I I would suspect will always remain very freight centric, and liability adverse, and people create liabilities and shipments don't. Right. So. I will we'll watch and see. Yeah. So could there be a change of heart and a change in need as we go along? That's probably one of the most prosaic industries in our country. Mm. Fine. <laughs> so high-speed rail, is is that still talked about in the the corridor of I-4? Is that is that the vision of, of – It will be by the time it gets here. Mm -hmm. So it might be some other path coming out of Orlando uh, initially – and that's the Disney connection question. Uh, and there's like almost a billion dollars of difference in the way that it gets worked out, which is not an insignificant number. So you'd better get some serious traffic as a result of making that decision. Yeah. And so um, when we 
look at here, it'll be it would be an I four, and we would find a connect point, and probably ninety eight is an area where we could do that and do that well, and have some parking ability and some room for them to have a stop. They won't do that first. It will be an Orlando Tampa connection first, and a build out later of our point, um, probably two to three years thereafter. That's why it is long and out. You know, so we want to make sure we're front and center in terms of the desire for and advocacy of while on the other hand recognizing that we're really laying the groundwork for somebody to finalize in another eight to ten years well and and um the so we're looking at a tampa to orlando train that's just gonna fly right on by us at first is what you're saying and then maybe we'll have a stop built that they would but then the more stops the less high speed yeah so that's why they'll only do one right so this this train goes 120 miles an hour not 200 Mm. so um the, you know, so it's not the bullet train, and right. that does the reason for that is to have the ability to get up enough speed, but then slow down enough and not be too fast. So uh, we're just about right between the two cities as the ideal place with population to do that. So, in uh, one of the challenges I I remember back again with SunRail was not necessarily having um, the type of transportation system once you're off the train to get you where you need to go. It's great to get on a train and go to Orlando, but, you know, what are you going to do, take taxis the whole time? I mean, you can ride, there's Lynx, but I know Lynx had some some challenges recently. Um, And you've got, you know, then you've got people who are like jumping on a train and not so excited about necessarily jumping on a bus uh, once they get off of there. So, I mean, is that, is that, do you feel like that's been addressed in both of those cities that they're doing light rail in Tampa? Is that a thing? Yes. Uh, that, the, so they'll do that to do the connection points in the two cities, and that's what they're advocating. They don't want to disrupt the rest of that corridor to the airport. And um, uh, we look at it differently because one of the highest uses that has frequency between from Lakeland to either city or airport, either picking up people or you know going out ourselves or dropping people off. And so it's illogical for uh, to us not to go to those two points of destination. Well, we certainly have that. In Orlando, and frankly, that's the worst of the two nightmares. And so, right. as long as we can have that, that would be nice. The other option that they have is not to necessarily stop on every train in Lakeland. Mm. So they might do every other stop, you know, and that's another way to speed up the Tampa to Miami run. So they can have an express less often stop run as well as one that. Uh, stops. That makes sense. Well, speaking of airports, I know there's been some news lately that we're again talking about commercial service at, at Lakeland Linder. Is that um, you don't have to name the carrier? I obviously, can't, right? I know you can't. <laughs> but you know, is that you feel like that's that's a, a viable option for us? I think it's a starting point. Um, uh, we have a lot of constraints in the airline industry right now with pilots and staff on existing runs. That's my concern mm. to expand to our city at a time where we're all where it's already staff shy is maybe not wise, especially if we're providing economic backup uh, for those routes. So we have to look at this very, very carefully, um, somewhat less enthusiastically on my part. But the, it's also a place to get started. Mm. And so uh, we'll see uh, how it goes. It, it won't be as robust as we had hoped. Mm. Well, and, you know, a, a direct air was the, the carrier the first go-round, and I think they went belly up at some point. And, um, but, you know, it seemed like having a connection from Lakeland to Atlanta uh, would, 
would serve I would love that pretty well I would love that (laughs) so that's a different story yeah well well we'll we'll keep an we'll keep an eye out on that we'll keep an eye out on that um but yeah I mean the the airport has uh, uh, speaking of the airport very quickly before we we go to break uh, I know there's been lots of drama about the Amazon planes and and so but there's a lot of that that really have no control over what's what's where right we stand so we're very encouraged with our uh, current study with the SFAA to provide th- that are what are really radio um, points and vector changes along those routes for the planes to follow up uh, prescriptively and identically today we don't live in that world we allow the towers of air traffic control in Tampa to define those routings and so the planes that bother you a lot or that bother mm-hmm. any of us a lot are brought in low and flat and when you do that they make a ton of noise because mm-hmm. they have to keep their airspeed up where they're hitting the most dense air and so when you come in at a gradient and you stay on a course and you keep it off of the uh, primary areas of uh, population which is exactly what we're doing coming in uh, on all the routes that are being prescribed uh, we think that plan will get approved in December or January, and then that gets applied. That is how you route into an airport, which is why you'll see no variance in large airports in the way you typically come in. You either come in from the south this mm-hmm. way or you come from the north that way. And um, so that it will work well. Uh, we want – we recognize that cargo planes and commercial airlines will increase in Lakeland. They are going to. So having those corridors assigned is really very important near term. And uh, the FAA does not have to accept it. They could say, eh, it's not that important to us. Right. But I don't. I think we're using the best consulting company available in a, that works with FAA on an ongoing basis that generally gets the things implemented that they work to do. So we expect the outcome to be good. Okay. All right. Well, we have lots more to talk about. We'll take a break and be back with Mayor Mutz. And we're back with Mayor Mutz. This is Julie Townsend. You're listening to Downtown Dish. And we have uh, just a few minutes more with the mayor and want to pack in as much information as we can, pick his brain as we... That won't take long. (laughs) Just lay it all out there. (laughs) Lay it all out. So I've seen lots of flags in my neighborhood uh, identifying various, you know, line gas and all that kind of stuff, which means that there's somebody's digging soon. So tell us, tell us what's going on there. So we're doing a lot of our fiber uh, infill that needs to happen. Uh, Summit is working on that. This is not Summit Insurance, uh, but our Summit, who is our um, provider on an RFP to the city uh, for uh, broadband. And we are starting, you know, if you look at a archery bullseye, we're starting with downtown as the bullseye. Mm-hmm. And they will work out in rings as they do this. So the near-term need and certainly some of uh, in our historic Lake Morton community where there has not been quite the internet accessibility uh, (laughs) that might be desired, uh, we're going to see some real improvements take place. That's probably going to become more tangible in January. So that's about the time frame of uh, some of that. We're also working on digital divide uh, because that become that's such an important issue for education, increasingly important for education. Of course, not only did COVID emphasize that, but just all the tools students use in order to be able to learn uh, curriculum and books and all those courses are dropping only mm-hmm. into being electronic, and which which is prudent for many, many reasons, provided I can do it 
at home at night. Right. Right. Yeah. That's uh, just looking at, it's not just colleges anymore that are doing no. that. I mean, I don't have any in grade school anymore. I have just college. Youngest is, is in college and, you know, all of his classes are, you know, upload your your work to this website. There's the There's plan. No There's the work. Here's the book. Here's yeah. the watch the video. Right. And so and and that does lend us to go to master teachers and some of the best uh, education that can occur nationwide as we do those things mm-hmm. if it's accessible and available and programmed right. Right. So exactly. Education is extremely, as you know, at home, it's extremely <laughs> uh, complex and. Um, uh, the challenges will continue to exist, but most people, are, most students are on an iPad at eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, I want to give you the last remaining minutes to talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. It can be more downtown stuff that we might have not uh, touched on or just anything in general about the city. Well, one of the things that attracted me and I think made a lot of sense when we were on the Boise City visit was that they had aligned with Boise State University to identify a group of students that would be most prone to loving to be relocated in downtown. So rather than to try and expand on their campus, Mm. they said, where's a building that could be built or is unoccupied that we could utilize, that we could bring in two or three floors of students Mm. and education department. They did that with their computer science department. And so all of IT for Boise State is downtown. So you watch the students going to the buildings. You watch them walking out to the joinery equivalents mm-hmm. for lunch, you know, and they're on campus and then uh, working in, a, living in apartments that are nearby. And that whole uh, ability to shift a piece of logical education downtown to me is a desirable longer term goal for us to start to think about. Uh, certainly getting a grocery downtown as near term as possible. And it may not be as large as a Publix. It might be something, there might be a tweener in there of mm-hmm. something that is different. Uh, we're a public centric city too, and for, for good and for good <laughs> reasons. And um, so we're always uh, we desire a public. But if it's not economically feasible for them in an interim, uh, I think it certainly will be long term. Right. Then uh, we understand that too, and that's a choice that we all have to kind of work together to make. Um, and I th- and and the commitment to safety downtown is extremely important. You can have a beautiful city, and if it's not walkable, if it's if it is uh, scary at night, mm-hmm. if there's things that uh, create uh, a fear in residents, it doesn't work. And we're not going to have that happen. We're right. going to be vigilant about that. And I'm we're well ahead of Boise on the homelessness plans and mm. and some of the things that we have in place. And we still have homeless people, and we always will. Correct. But we um have, we have more solutions developing, and that is encouraging to us. So as we have more police presence, as we have uh, greater housing for uh, chronic homelessness, um, these are all part of quality life improvements that are certainly important to our commission and add to that vibrancy we started this uh, podcast with when we first talked. Well, and, you know, speaking of that, we the LDDA did invest and we are starting our contract with uh, a security company starting May 1st. And, you know, some some folks are a little nervous about that. Not 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 the folks who who are educated about it. I think people think that there's going to be, you know, armed guards at every corner of downtown and that's going to give us a bad look or that's but I mean, it's much more. It, on the other end of the spectrum, it's much, much more like uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop in yes. the sense that, 
in the sense that, that may not be a good comparison no, no, for no. everybody. No, I, I I take that back, Antonio. Antonio, who's going to be our our downtown security officer, yeah, is probably going, "What the heck are you talking about?" Uh, but no, it's um it's someone it's it's a single person. Uh, we're not going to have multiple people on duty with. Uh, but we we did have the recommendation that it be an armed security. Uh, person because, you know, for that person's safety and also, uh, you know, just in general, uh, we don't expect that person to ever use that and they're not going to be arresting people. Uh, they're mostly there to provide peace of mind. Another and set of eyes. Another set of eyes. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And they, they'll have a direct link to the downtown police officer that's on duty. And it's another person uh, that that the downtown businesses can call when they're having an issue and um, you know, and they don't happen all the time and downtown in my opinion. And I think this holds true. If you look at the data is not an unsafe place to be. It is. It's not unsafe, but there are occasionally a a person that can make you feel, you know, unsafe uh, just by their presence Mm -hmm. uh, and how they carry themselves. And we do have some chronic uh, panhandlers, which are not necessarily homeless people, uh, they, it's a lifestyle by design. You know, the panhandlers are are the, are the folks that are going to tell you some sob story, and and if you if you stop and listen, you're hooked because then you they don't stop talking till till you open up your wallet, um, and um, and then they go and buy you know things that they shouldn't. Right. And um, so they're and that's just their way their way of life. So. There's a couple of those guys. Those we want to deter them. That's certainly something that the security officer is going to be paying attention to, and uh, you know, but also just more ambassador type things like where, you know, where do I park? What are the parking rules? You know, um, can you walk me to my car? You know, I have I just got nice. off my shift at Harry's or whatever, and I'm you know I, I want someone to to walk me safely to my car. So we're going to be providing services like that. As as needed. we are so grateful that you are, and that helps us in the. Uh, interim and we want to make sure we staff well uh, downtown going forward Uh, we want the little delights in downtown that we see today taking place you know the drip lighting and all those kinds of things that our city manager is a strong advocate for uh, to increase and to have more activities downtown kind of fun places to be and activities to pursue uh, so that that if we're displacing anything we're displacing homeless people with people that actually are the citizens of the city that want to enjoy their downtown. Yeah, we want more activity in Munn Park. We've talked about that for a long time. I, I just, uh, a memory that popped up in my uh, feed the other day was uh, April of 2019. I actually did a presentation to the city commission mm-hmm. uh, in my annual, you know, little update. And we talked about uh, reimagining Munn Park. And um, I presented the carousel idea, which... I remember. Uh, is still not off the table for me, not necessarily in the center of Munn Park, but that may come back. You may mm-hmm. be talking mm-hmm. to you about that again soon. Uh, but um, just reimagining what we can do with right. that space right. in general. And I think the city manager has certainly embraced that. He wasn't Service. city manager at the time, right. but he certainly hit the ground running when he became city manager to make uh, in, implement some things very quickly in Munn Park. And people have loved it. So I know that he's, he's pleased with that. And, uh, and we're certainly thankful uh, for his efforts. Well, mayor, we are out of time. We could go on for hours. I love talking with you. Likewise. And uh, thank you for coming on and I'm sure you will 
keep the citizen citizens up to date on all of the priorities that the city commission uh, has through city commission meetings, of course, and, you know, in general, just um, uh, in your other speaking engagements that you have throughout the city. So thank you very much for being here. You're welcome. And listen, I we thank, as a commission, we are so grateful for the privilege to serve the city. And so we are grateful for the opportunity to do so. Excellent. Well, uh, we'll see you next week, a Tuesday at 5 p.m. You're listening to Downtown Dish. <laughs>